0: Hello. Hello!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and welcome back to the Ad Race. We are back with episode 5. I feel like we've been away for a while.
1: It's just been busy, man. Yeah. so busy. <laughs>
0: and it's been especially busy for a lot of you in Adland, of course, because we've had the Cannes Lions Festival.
1: It has, and it's the International Festival of Creativity, and it's been going since 1954. And this year it had over 25,000 entries from 87 countries.
0: And that was running from the 20th of June till the 24th of June.
1: It's like the Oscars of the creativity world, isn't it?
0: Definitely. Because everyone's there. You've got like Jared Leto, you've got.
1: Ryan Reynolds.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So Cannes is back to celebrating in person because, of course, the 2020 event was cancelled due to the.
1: Which we won't (laughs) (laughs) know. The virus that shall not be named.
0: Yeah, and then 2021 it was um, a digital event. So quite different to what people are used to because of course people like to actually be in Cannes, go to France. They have the whole experience. Yeah, they have all the talks, they have all the events.
1: And this year of course they focused on some priority areas which is no surprise, um, from sustainability to diversity, equity and inclusion, data and technology, brand creativity and effectiveness, talent and business transformation.
0: So we've gone ahead and looked through all of the winners and selected the ones that resonated the most with us.
1: We also found that some of the um, topics, uh, media, adverts, commercials that we focused on earlier, one in our episodes, were featured um, as part of the Cannes uh, winners. So we thought we'd touch back on some of those.
0: So this first one we want to focus on actually took a Titanium Grand Prix. Woo! And it's Long Live the Prince. And it's by the Keane Prince Foundation and EA Sports. And the agency was Engine in London.
1: My name is Kayan Prince. And I am a professional footballer. Or at least I would have been. Had I not been killed when I was 15. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this, this is where... Um, where EA Sports reimagined what uh, Kean Prince would look like um, had he not his life not been taken, sadly, uh, due to knife crime. There's been a, a kind of a, a large campaign around this, from renaming QPR Stadium to um, including Kian Prince in the gaming world. And it's actually, it, it's, it's quite, uh, it almost, I almost shed a tear watching this and obviously having his father speak, direct to camera, um, and explain um, everything from the beginning and all of their efforts. It's a wonderful initiative, I think, in, in just not only just reeducating, um, I suppose, the youth on uh, knife crime and how you know detrimental it can be to someone's life, um, how ridiculous it is, and, and obviously a campaign to stop it. But also, I think it's quite a special uh, moment for the, the family to, to have that experience, having them reimagined, and even in the JD campaign, we spoke about this yeah. before. It is quite special to see, and I think it just gives again, it's, it's like what a waste. It shows what a waste of a life. Um, And I'm glad that they took home um, a titanium gong, to be fair. There's two stories I want to tell you about my son, Kayan. The The first one is about how he lost his life to a young person carrying a knife. But I want to tell you the other story, the more powerful one, about the man he was destined to become.
0: Keen's dad is so passionate and really helped to drive the campaign and what made it very real for me is having that connection to his family and his friends and people that could speak on his character and for them to be involved in bringing him or his back to life it couldn't have been done any other way really but it was nice that it was such a well-rounded campaign from working with jd and seeing him on a billboard to seeing him in the game you kind of really got to see what was lost, like, pointlessly lost, a life lost, that really, he would have been, like, a really bright star in football.
1: I think it's extremely sad. I think it's also quite clever the way they used the technology to um, kind of reimagine and map his voice. Yeah. Um, what he would obviously look like from I mean, looking at his father. I'm sure they digitally mapped in, in some way, shape or form, um, and then kind of, I think, and they took voice, uh, voice bites from his father, didn't they, or his um, siblings something like that?
0: I know that they analysed footage mm. of him and how he he would play, his and they were able stuff, yeah. to kind of bring that into his gameplay today.
1: A very clever use of technology, um, and it's all about education. I think that's. I'm glad that they focused on it. I'm glad that QPR really, really champions this. It's not something they kind of just let go.
0: Yeah, and the Titanium Lion in particular, it aims to celebrate game-changing creativity, and I think this. This really is a piece of, this is a game-changing project. This is something that other people could learn from for many different ways, not only for their use of technology, but also the attention to detail that really went into all the different aspects of the project.
1: Yeah, when we're talking about a 360 campaign, this is it. So, well done.
0: So, now on to number two. And for us, that was the Glass Grand Prix winner by Data Tienda, and We Capital, and the agency behind this was DDB Mexico. They are women who have received loans from neighborhood stores all their lives, so they have a long credit history. Just that these credit records don't appear in the financial information centers, but the accounting records of thousands of shopkeepers throughout the country.
1: This was quite special for me. Um, I really resonated with it and I thought it was absolutely fantastic and it really combats, I suppose, the socioeconomic impact um, for um, kind of low-income women in Mexico society. Um, so Data Tienda allows Mexican women to build a, cr- a credit score, so it's vital, for, which is vital for bank loans, and it's based on interaction with their local shops. So for those of you who don't know, it's almost like within their local community, they will go to their local shops, uh, you know, the off-license or the supermarket, etc., etc. Um, and these are all small businesses for themselves, but they all have in, in turn like a loan facility. So, for instance, let's say you know my shopping came comes uh, came to a um, hundred pesos, um, you know, and I didn't have that change. You know, it's almost like an IOU, and then they pay it back. Um, what Data Tienda did was essentially recognize that they were all having all, all these kind of women in their in their community were actually getting credit from their local stores, but the banks wouldn't give them any credit because of that's how the bank systems are set up it's almost like here when you have you know the whole issue with homelessness you have no fixed address you can't get a bank uh, you can't get a bank account you can't get this you can't get that there's an yeah. advert on, on radio recently which is like no bank no home no bank it's that same sort of yeah, thing exactly. it's a vicious cycle but how do you how do you kind of break uh, break break free cycles. of that it's so difficult um and this is a super, super clever way. So they basically mapped, um, kind of, like the collected data from all these different touch points across their local community. Um, and you'd sign up and you'd say, well, we'll see this name, etc., cetera, address. Um, and it starts to build its own credit score based on the credit built in your local community. The banks would then use that as data to be able to put them up for loans, etc. Incredible. Because then, you know, they can go on and they can, um, you, know, you know, take a loan out and create their own business. And then one woman, and they're going to take a loan out and set up a salon which was her dream, which would never be able to do. So this is clever use. This is where technology sometimes really does come in as you know, something mean, positive, but I think also really clever for the founders of this because it's just, I think this is a game changer.
0: I think this just shows why CAN is such a great awards, because we get to see this kind of work that's happening in other countries and hopefully it inspires people to do more of these projects in their their regions. Because it is such a an important thing. People don't have that financial security. But actually, the way that they operate in their community is to get these smaller loans. Because that per, the person that's down the road from them knows that they are going to work every day. Knows that they, they're getting paid at the end of the week. And so has been pr- providing them with that kind of stopgap that they need. But if they want to move on with their lives, start a business, they need to work with these more formal financial institutions and for data tienda to come in and do a project that's actually really helping people to do that i think is admirable and when i first saw the advert i was a bit skeptical but then reading more of the information to actually find out that more than 100 women have actually received their um these loans from actual banks you actually see that it isn't just an advert it is actually helping people as well
1: it's real life and it tackles gender inequality because it's it's men within that society that are given the high paid jobs are given jobs first and foremost just because of their physical stature and you know um uh, labor intensive work at, at, um, as, as an example and this actually starts to help that um, the injustice and the imbalance with that um it rebuilds their credit histories and they it, it kind of empowers women yeah. Because in that society, it's, you know, it's, it's again, it's one of those, it's a place where I suppose women are expected to be at home, raise kids, etc., etc. But it's actually giving them back control of their lives to go on and be entrepreneurs, you know. Um, and I love that.
0: And I think some of this will be setting up not only these specific women's futures, but also they'll be able to help other women in their communities. They'll be able to help their family, their daughters. It's that kind of financial security that can can travel through a community just like financial literacy i guess because you know about how to work with financial institutions how you got your loan what you need to do and you'll be able to hopefully help other people as well
1: and it's great because it's had a knock-on effect to other major cities now no i'm all for this i think gr- great great work um and i'm glad that it's now going to be put, put to good use
0: so, number three was the Social and Influencer Line Grand Prix for the Unfiltered History Tour for Vice Media. And that was by Dentsu Creative.
1: Come discover over 80,000 works from around the world here in
0: London. You are now viewing the Gweagle Shield. Captain James Cook was a British. We're now looking at the Gweagle Shield, which was taken from my people.
1: I think very cheeky, but very clever, and right on the money with this one. Um, so this essentially is, an, is, is a is filter-based um, mobile application, which allows you to go around the British Museum and actually have the true uh, tour as to where the artefacts have been stolen from, which is just the truth, really. And this has been a, a talking point since, I suppose, BLM. It's been picked up again and again, isn't it? It's realising that the Rosetta Stone, which lives in the British Museum, was stolen from Egypt. Um, you've got a monument from Easter Island that was stolen um, and gifted to Queen Victoria um, at the time. And it's just getting these artefacts back to their country. And the natives you know, from that country are like, hey, this is ours. give it back to us Um, we're noticing that you know some people are winning the battle there Um. so I think you had two of the uh, Benin bronzes that were given back in February and the British Museum said that they would um, and that has returned um, since but there's still a fight essentially and of course these establishments don't want to let go of these artifacts it's tourism it's money so I don't understand why th- th- there's the fight. Um, but in, in fairness, it's almost like, you know, we're at a point now where I think we can all be quite honest um, and quite open um, and establishments like the British Museum should be paving the way and leading by example to say, OK, we're going to do it. We're, we're going to hand them back.
0: And if you've been to the British Museum in, in the past five years, you might have even run into some protesters. They're quite often there. They make sure that they have a presence there. And when there's certain exhibitions even opening, they talk about where these artifacts have come from, they let visitors know. But the hard thing is is that if you haven't stepped foot in the British Museum, then you might never have known about this. And so that's the good thing about a project like this is that it takes that story and pushes it globally and makes, makes it get a bit more recognition for now, puts it back in the news, puts it back at the front of people's minds. And it turns it rather than an issue that you have to be at the British Museum to witness into something that is easily shareable, to something that's digital. You can um, engage in the experience on your phone whilst at the British Museum. And um, it kind of tells you where these artefacts are from, kind of like a podcast kind of style um, stream of content coming at you when you're walking around. But also you can access that information from your computer if you're off-site as well. Yes.
1: What's great is that you have the opportunity to learn about that artifact um, from somebody who's, you know, from the native country that that, 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 they are, that artifact came from. Um, equally, you, you learn about and understand exactly how that artifact came to being removed, yeah. which is what you don't, you know, have that kind of whole aspect of his story. Um, British Museum tell you their version or their story, um, but obviously leave out some of those bits, which are the nasty bits. Um, and I think it's quite nice because you just get to learn the truth.
0: I think sometimes when you see something in a museum, you get the details about the date it was made, kind of where it was found, but they're not going to talk about the acquisition. No. And that's what this puts into the story, actually, its journey to being in the British Museum, that acquisition process. who Who is losing out from from it being in their possession, kind of what's actually happened along the way? And I think that's what we see in a lot of history in the UK is it, it is it's kind of whitewashed. whitewashed, absolutely. <laughs> and so this is kind of making, just making it more more fair, more balanced, more open, like the full truth. The is nira-
1: than- really powerful as well because you're hearing about it from the ancestors of some of these people who sometimes even built or created or carved some of these things. So I know one of the heads from Easter Island, as an example, you've got, um, you've, you've got um, one of the Pacific Islanders um, narrating and he says, you know, the, the West always say, you know, where did these come from? They're so big. He said, there's thousands of these on, on my island. There's one right behind my house. He's saying, my ancestors carved those. We know, because it was our ancestors, we know the stories. Whereas obviously there's this whole speculation of where do they come from? Oh, is it aliens? Is it this? But him telling the truth, it's kind of like, well, no, I know where it comes from because, you know, my great-great-great-granddad actually carved these, um, which I think is quite nice, gives it some provenance. No, no, she's not shrouded in mystery.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) number four... Uh, It took a Mobile Lion Grand Prix, and this is Real Tone for Google by Google, T-Brand Studios, Whedon, and Kennedy.
1: Every time you say Lion, I (laughs) want (laughs) to (laughs) go...
0: People with darker complexions have always struggled with having good lighting.
1: Every single yearbook photo of mine has been terribly shot since I was a kid.
0: I always show up as too dark or shiny. Because if you love me... You love
1: all of me. This focuses on um, something that's been touched upon many times over the past few years, and that is how your kind of visual camera technology picks up skin tones. Um, there's an argument that because it's created by um, people with a certain type of skin, it's in favor of that. It's been used across AI, um, and I know, for instance, when it comes to facial recognition with things like FBI. Um, or um, local, local law enforcement cameras etc you have this thing of if it picks up a darker skin tone it matches them more to people and people you, you might not look anything like this person but it matches them to a registered criminal as an example but if you ha- if you have much fairer skin there's a less likely chance of you being matched
0: it can tell the difference between the minute differences between Absolutely. your facial features if you've got a lighter skin tone whereas if you're if you have a darker skin tone, you become more part of one homogenous group that Absolutely. all looks the same.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, this technology, I mean, we see it filtered down for things like military, et cetera, into our everyday devices, right? So this technology, because of that, exists within our smartphones, as, as an example. But what you don't get is you don't get the detail and the pickup on those skin tones. What you get with this product, Pixel 6, essentially combats that to the core. And I don't think there's like anyone like Apple or anything has done this, have they?
0: The only other technology uh, like project I've seen that has done something similar has been Snap. So Mm. they worked to do something similar with their kind of Snap lenses. So they wanted to be able to showcase everybody in the picture in in the best possible way and showcase people with with darker skin tones as beautifully as ever.
1: This advert debuted within this Super Bowl, so a very expensive slot. Uh, yeah, with Lizzo. <laughs> with probably Lisa, an <laughs> expensive expensive guest. If you love me, you love all of me is a tune that she sung to over it and I think it really did capture the the true kind of essence and richness um of of the campaign. Google's true tone.
0: Yeah, so this is this technology is now on their Pixel Six. So it the advert wasn't just about advertising the fact that Google's got this like real tone its that actually you can buy the device and you can you, utilize this new tech because it's on there. And yeah, they got a lot of praise for this from users and for, from media for this technology. And although there was an advert with, with Lizzo in the UK, there was also a stream of adverts as well that were demonstrating um, this new technology—you might have seen it. There was a like a, fa- a family were taking a photo outside the front of their house, and they like had this whole family dinner. Do you remember? I don't
1: think I do. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they've, they've, Google have been doing a lot to showcase Real Tone, and they had a variety of adverts. But obviously for this specific Grand Prix Mobile line it was centered around um, Lizzo's spot.
1: I mean, this is a real problem. I've generally got friends who, you know, make comments on this sometimes when taking photos. It's like, oh, it's only capturing me like this. Or, do you know what I mean? Why do I look different there? Oh my God, my teeth look so bright and it's cut. And And actually they use examples of that in their campaign. Yeah. And it almost like picks up, you know, super white teeth and then cancels out slightly your your face. Um, And that's not cool, you know. And it's it's great that this is, the True Tone really focuses on on capturing those darker skin tones. So, So you can look your best, you know. You can look fabulous.
0: You can look how you actually look in real life. That's the problem, is that it was changing how people looked on their scale of of skin tones. Once you went past a certain level, it then wasn't picking up how you actually actually looked. And any like all someone can ask for is to actually appear in the photograph as they do in real life. So they actually um partnered with Dr. Ellis Monk to develop the monk skin tone scale and that was designed to be more inclusive of the variety of skin tones in our society today and i think it just reflects how western society actually is today people now are are just more aware that even in western civilization it's not Euro, it's not eurocentric it's not white centric it's like there are people from all around the world that are going to be using the google phone and so google wanted to create a project that um, really reflected its audience, I guess.
1: But I'm glad this is a talking point is in the public domain because there has been class actions against in the states against technology companies that form bias on. Um, darker skin tones because of their um, AI and because of their photo recognition um, technology. So and there, there was a um, young black girl in, in America who actually did champion this class action. I think she won. Um, but it's great that this has become part of the more public domain, more people are made aware of it because I think that this will start to trickle down and move, move into other areas of technology. So when you're looking at things like passport control, that's another one where I think there's a, there's a statistics where, you, the, again, the darker you are, the more likely you're to get stopped because of passport, do you know what I mean? Um, Because of that lack of recognizing really the true aspects and features of someone's face because they've got a darker skin tone. So hopefully this moves in to those other areas because in theory this technology and and photo recognition is becoming more and more part of our everyday lives.
0: And I wonder if by Google doing this, we'll see more technology companies making sure that they have the same same kind of technological technological advancements yeah. with their phones and their cameras so that you have that same experience across the board no matter what handset you pick up.
1: Completely I agree. Well done Google.
0: <laughs> 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 so number five for us it took an outdoor lion and this was the liquid billboard by Adidas by Habas Middle East. When I was growing up, I never saw women that looked like me wearing the hijab. And I feel like that hindered my ability to kind of dream. Now, everybody has probably seen this campaign. This was one of those that really blew up on social media at the time.
1: It's great because it, it, it takes, um, I suppose, the, the PR claim is the world's first swimmer ball billboard I mean that's what they kind of led with that's the yeah. Um and, and it is um, but I think what's great is, is, is the inclusiveness and I'm really surprised that this actually went down in Dubai um, I, mean, I mean I've never been but I, I hear from, from a lot of people um, media etc of how strict they are um, obviously um, I suppose on women what they wear etc etc What Adias had done is, I suppose, it merged the two worlds together um, in terms of the um, social expectations of women who are from the Middle East as well as social social expectations from women who are from the West Um, and kind of created this uh, kind of range of swimwear that was inclusive of both. And it saw them create this giant tank, which from the front obviously resembled a billboard. They then screened um, a kind of live feed to Dubai's largest outdoor billboard and even that in itself a a woman in a bikini being screened um I suppose to the the public I thought was quite risque
0: yeah but I think the majority of the women who were swimming the billboard were in Adidas's new inclusive swimwear collection so they have swimwear that is kind of full torso covers your forearms and then you can get swimming trousers effectively Mm -hmm. as well and I think it's quite important that some women do make a choice that they want to cover their bodies. And so Adidas creating sportswear so that they don't have to miss out on the experience of being able to swim, whether they do that for fun or for exercise, being able to find appropriate garments to wear that allow you to have that swimming experience to the max, not be like weighed down by... um, Materials that are going to get like waterlogged and, and whatnot. So, Adidas work really, really showcasing their garment technology as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, aimed at breaking down those barriers for women and swimming as cultural sensitivities in the Middle East, which means that women are three times as likely to say they feel uncomfortable swimming in public, which I can understand. Again, it's kind of one of those things where, um, and I've seen people like, I suppose it comes down to anything. It could be from a religious perspective, it could be sometimes you feel uncomfortable because of the ideas of beauty weight etc so people don't want to kind of get in a full you know a two-piece bikini or they're wearing all-in-one because they feel less they feel more comfortable etc etc and that leads on to if they you know covering up more of your skin because that's part of your culture and religion as such then you know that there should be opportunities of, of kind of clothing um, out there for you to do that and you shouldn't be put off by that because that's your that's your choice and your decision
0: yeah no matter the reason for women wanting to wear these garments mm. it's great that adidas produces them so there's an option because like of course adidas it, yeah. um does produce bikinis yeah, it does produce absolutely. one pieces so you you've now got a, a wider range that you can pick from and you can kind of pick and choose what What's going to be suitable for you as and when?
1: It's this continuous effort now to, I think, recognise and be inclusive of everybody, um, which I think we've seen you know, brands paving that way. Um, and, and it's great to recognise that because I think sometimes you have fashion labels that think that they've kind of, you know, they've, they've, they've done it all, you know, they, 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 they cater for everybody. But it's actually kind of really go through and start looking. At, I mean, this would never be something that crossed my mind. But it's just starting to recognise and realise you can be more you know, inclusive and there's still so many different categories of people um, who probably you don't cover in your, in your range or your brand, etc. So I think expanding to, to incorporate that is, is beautiful.
0: And it was quite smart that they chose to do this in Dubai. If this billboard was placed in London, I, absolutely I don't is. think that people would have cared half as much. No. You,
1: you miss it because, well, I suppose if you, the wider demographic um in dubai i probably resonate more with it as such but absolutely completely lost um here i mean i sometimes get in my bikini
0: (laughs) i think it was the the images that you see it's almost like seems as if the billboard is like water like in the desert and so i think it's that kind of juxtaposition as well because like seeing people swimming around usually as well if you go swimming in the sea You are hidden away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But raising that water out of the ground meant that people really couldn't ignore that these women were swimming around and that they were wearing... Oh, it was a great
1: great PR stunt. Yeah. Really, really good PR stunt. Um, I'm sure that's more... Like, what's the... What's the um, sea world? (laughs) (laughs) I just... There was a part of me that just kind of, like, suddenly think, oh, dear God, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, creating these tanks, like... Let
0: them free. Can't Let them, them be. Oh, like mer- like the mermaids. Yeah, and yeah. Carting like, yeah. them around.
1: Um, no, but I thought really good, great attention grabber, and they, the, the, the pre done fantastically well.
0: Yeah, I think the amplification of that campaign was absolutely huge, and that's what gets things recognised that can. I think. I think if if something is kind of seen once and disappears, then. You, it's not really doing enough work, you know? The fact that this went out, this is covered by all the different news platforms, this was on all the trade press, consumer press, everyone saw it, we shared it on Instagram. Like That's what made it really worthwhile.
1: And I think the great thing about all of these entries, and uh, majority of the winners, is they really are using technology and data to really push for positive change. It's not just about a money-making opportunity um you know i mean the bottom line and increasing profits There it's really good work that's being done to champion change um and focus on these the, the key areas which obviously were sustainability brand creativity diversity um so i can see why they've all won in their in their i suppose respective categories
0: yeah you can see how it would make you feel more positively about the brand without a lot of these campaigns really pushing a specific product mm. it's more about kind of building people. that brand identity yeah. and building that connection with people and i mean i was i was sold by a lot of these so, I, <laughs> so that's how you know it's work you got bad credit anyway <laughs> well there we go I'm gonna be uh getting uh, my corner shop
1: yeah can you let me off my pint of milk no chance mate. no chance mate you still owe me a fiver from last weekend <laughs> um, no I, I just I generally I genuinely think that these are all completely worthy um, of, of their gongs um, and just great pieces of work it's also quite inspiring every single um, kind of feature within it is, is, is super inspiring you want to go away and learn more um, you want to you, you wonder how you, all these things how can you help how can you be part of that change um, or what can you come up with creatively to, to, to support I think it's a good top five
0: so one of the things that comes up around can is the fact that things can be a bit some of the projects can seem a bit performative mm. and that people are trying to do um, do these projects just to win a can lion as opposed to do good kind of what do you think about about that and do you think that some, some brands are maybe just, just after a line? Not the ones on our list specifically, but in general. Do you ever see some I of these some gonna, campaigns that don't have the actual like, weight the authenticity behind them doing
1: good? Yeah. I think you're always going to get that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the Oscars of, of the media world as such, isn't it? So, you know, it's like an actor taking that role, which is that heart-wrenching yeah. whatever, but a completely boring story just to win an Oscar. Do you know what I mean? And I think you're going you're gonna to get that. And any time that there's an, a competition involved as such you're going to get people trying to win. So I, I, do, I do completely get that. Um, but I think you can clearly see here authenticity wins.
0: Do you think that the, the, the public are kind of wise, wising up to this kind of thing and they'll yeah, kind of sniff out those, those projects that aren't actually doing good within communities that don't have the right people behind, behind the scenes working on them?
1: But we've touched on this from the very beginning when, you, when, when, you know, there's a clear shift in media across the board, isn't there? Um, it's almost like plugging those black faces or plugging, you know, this culture or this whatever, just because they're, they're wanting to be seen as being more inclusive. But that switchover with talent that's being used or you know issues that they're focusing on, it does we know when it's when it's authentic or, or, or not? Do you know what I mean? Yes, of course, not everyone's going to be as savvy enough to identify that, but it's quite clear. But I think as we're moving on, I think brands are being called out on some some of it and you're getting more authenticity because the people behind the creativity are now not just, you know, um, boarding middle-aged white men. It's now, you know, you've got people of colour on these boards and and in these, you know, um, in these roles, in these agencies who are going, no, actually, I'm going to do this with conviction and authenticity because it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's not just on the face of it. So I think we're seeing a real change, especially since you know January is an example where there was a few Christmas ads that were just shamelessly um, kind of plugging um, people of color because it's like the right thing to do. Yeah. Versus again doing it with conviction and doing it because it's the right because it's the right thing.
0: So I know that if you would have uh, gone to Cannes. Um, That They have lots of live talks, panels, events, all sorts of stuff going on. And I know that there has been a shift in the diversity of the programming that they provide. But I know that there isn't necessarily a shift in the diversity of the delegates. So the people that are paying around £3,000 to attend. Do you think there are some some ways that they need to be working to get more people to be able to, from different demographics... I guess that are in the advertising industry to be able to attend. I know that there's um, one agency in particular. They chose who got to go from the agency. People had to enter a competition, and then everyone got to vote on who it's got a nice to fair attend. Way, yeah. And so there were uh, some people who who weren't just in the C-suite. There were some people from um, other kind of regions of the agency that actually got to go and attend.
1: I think the these larger ad agencies um with budget um are, are perfectly kind of i suppose poised to to attend something like this when it's three three thousand pounds a ticket smaller agencies startups you already see the gap it's not accessible to some of them do you know yeah. what i mean Who start, and some of them do the most fantastic creative work um but don't have the financials behind it as such and it's not always about. You know, that's that media spend. Their idea could be absolutely fantastic, their work could be great, but they just can't compete with some of these larger agencies on purchasing these outrageously priced tickets. Um, Canon itself is a very expensive place. Um, I did, <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't think will <laughs> go over there to, to have a cheap
1: one <laughs> And I mean, I think obviously, as anywhere, when it's in season, they put up their prices. Yeah. I, I, I went a few years ago and um, I remember trying to get the Uber helicopter. <laughs> from Cannes to Sandra Bay it wasn't running or it didn't go but they let they let me on to a little tour of the bay and then come back down um which was quite fun but when we went there it was outrageous. It's outrageously like, expensive yeah um do you know what I mean and I just don't think that is some of these smaller agencies um who do some fantastic work and focus on change diversity sustainability etc just don't have the funds to compete with those you know those big ad agencies who are still run by Building middle-aged white
0: This is the juxtaposition, though. So we see this lovely ad by Data Tienda helping yep. helping these women um, get bank loans because they they borrowed money from their, their local shops and kind of building their credit. And then everyone goes, they see that they're like cheering, and then they're like, who "Oh, made, this is who great!"
1: Made this? <laughs>
0: Off to a yacht party with Paris uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know you're kind of celebrating. Um, these campaigns that are doing so much good, but Absolutely. then the environment is then not, I guess, conducive to like. And it's almost you know, a microcosm giving. of it's the a, world, yeah.
1: really, isn't it? Because that's what the world is like. It's like, oh, look, we're all helping these people, and now I'm going to get back on my private jet. Yeah, Bye yes. take care, woohoo! And um, I think that's, that's in some respects it is. It's, it's, it's taking a pinch of salt, I suppose, because you've got people kind of creating this opportunity for awareness. People, I suppose, going above and beyond just to win an award. When you look across the board and you look at this work that's been created and you look at what they're championing, and it's all about, you know, race and inclusion and equity, and, and then you look at their board of directors and it's like, hold on a minute. It's like, don't you know I mean it's, it doesn't reflect everything they're banging on about. And that's what I find sometimes slightly just that bit quite frustrating to watch. It's like, well, um, there should be people of colour on, you know, on, the, on this board, you know, really kind of championing and, and, and doing it authentically, not just your output is that, but so it looks good. Um, and I think that's what is quite clear with, with a lot of agencies.
0: I think the other thing I, um, I felt is that last year, with it being a digital can, there was, I guess, slightly more of an element of accessibility for people who weren't able to be there and it was disappointing to not see that carried through as much into this year. Mm. And of course, people love to be back together. But I feel like they could have been more uh, more of a focus on creating that content for people who weren't able to be there. So one, um I would shout out to the, the drum who actually did do this quite well. And they had a little like outpost in Shoreditch. People weren't able to go to Cannes. And they also had like a daily program where they were like updating people of course you need to be signed up for for the drum to be able to have access to that content but that might be a lot more accessible for smaller agencies who we're talking about the fact that these projects are game changers they're meant to be inspiring people they're meant to be showing people what can be done with technology showing brands what they need to be moving towards so people need to be able to see this work in, absolutely in, in order to be able to learn and to create change it can't happen within a microcosm. It's no. important that it's kind of broadcast widely so that we can see that progress.
1: No, I completely agree. But I think that, I think that we're, as you we know, we're, we're moving, people are challenging the norm or the normal, modern traditions. We're moving in the direction. There's, there's a massive change to entries and the focus on, on work in comparison to, let's say, four years ago. Um, it's very, very different. So I think that we, we're getting there, but it's just as anything. It's it's, it's just a journey, and it's gonna, it's going to take a few years um, for people to learn.
0: I think a few people in um, very quiet isolation decided not to go to Cannes. But I think that that is. I don't think that that is necessarily the solution.
1: Like a boycott. So, yeah, think.
0: that's. I don't think that's the solution. What, what, I think. What were they boycotting? Exactly.
1: Maybe the ticket price. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the ticket price.
0: I think I think. I mean, if you can't
1: afford the ticket, you, you, so you're kind of like, I'm going to boycott them. I think
0: that rather than a certain individual like boycotting, what would actually be more effective is you buying the ticket and giving it to somebody who wouldn't be able to afford that opportunity. Mm. If
1: that, that was would, their reason as to not go in.
0: If you want to create more diversity there and you were someone... Then, or even you're gonna buy you know like Tom's shoes. Mm. We know you bought oh, one yes. again yeah, right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think more people need to doing that can buy your ticket, buy it, buy a ticket for somebody else and um kind of open up that opportunity for learning that. that is there's so many talks that go on, there's so many opportunities for networking, there'll be people who are are just getting started in their career and wouldn't have the chance to go to Cannes. they wouldn't be selected by the agency they wouldn't be able to afford the cost on their own Mm. and although you can get a cheaper ticket i believe if it's i think like there's like an under 30s or under 25 kind of delegate um ticket but i think to extend that opportunity to more people i think that's the way forward
1: even if you could afford to go the, the way the hotel prices when they hike them up where would you stay where would you stay
0: I not Have know. you been? <laughs> no,
1: obviously
0: not. I'm waiting for my invitable <laughs> PD to go on his yacht over to can and then I'll be there.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's it's uh Is it fair to say elitist?
0: I think there's enough barriers to entry for mm. it to be considered And if your work has been elitist, selected as such, do you
1: get a complimentary ticket or something? No. Do you not? <laughs>
0: no. In fact, well, so I'll of be course, damned. well, of course, you pay to enter your work. <laughs> yes, of course. And then you have to pay to go.
1: Oh, really? So you, yeah, don't yeah. Pay to, you can't pay to enter your work and then essentially you get invited. To just, no. Just, yeah, interesting. No.
0: Because your work can win without you being there. Right. Sad. Right.
1: Well, I'm sad.
0: And so the other thing, um, of course, that was on the, on the menu, was sustainability. Uh, there was a, a climate change protester... Who was uh, who took to the stage, the little little billboard on him about uh, saying that fossil fuel ads shouldn't be able to an- enter um, any longer. Um, but of course, there aren't many big ad agencies that are based in Can. So everyone is
1: absolutely traveling. Everyone's traveling. There.
0: Um, of course, you could get the train. That was a, that was the choice of a lot of agencies because. It was... Their carbon footprint. Yeah, it was going to be better for their carbon footprint. But a lot of people do do have to fly, especially if they're coming from Feverfield. If you're coming from the UK, yes, you can opt to maybe get two trains, like tra- change trains and get there. But if you're coming from New York, Mumbai, you know. Uh, you...
1: Stick yourself in a crate. And it's six, <laughs> weeks on the, six weeks on the high seas. Oh,
0: you know what? I know, maybe that's a good idea. He did. He put up on his, on Absolutely.
1: his yacht. Absolutely. I, I, I find... I find it really difficult when we talk when talking about carbon footprint and offsetting that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, or yeah, just because it's again to get somewhere, it's it's unavoidable to get a flight. Um, the technology doesn't exist that flights are electric or solar powered, in fact, and obviously they're using fossil fuels. That flight, I think that's
0: a really great idea. That
1: flight exists. <laughs> that flight exists on a flight schedule, right? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, part. Of just a
0: seat. You're just one bum on the seat. I yeah.
1: mean, it's going to fly. It's going to take off. So in my, it's almost like, well, what have I done wrong? I just need to get here, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think However everyone I needs do. everyone needs to make their own little changes, but I think when you are a big event, it is thinking about it is, yeah. what changes are you need to be able to put in place. Sure. Which kind of brings me back to thinking about the digital programming and, and those elements of it because there might be some people that could see the value in that and not not need to attend.
1: Sure. I'm gonna say that didn't wasn't it at the last climate summit or something that like, even Greta Thunberg ended up getting a flight back home? I'm sure she did. I don't
0: know. How did you, how did how did Greta get to Glasgow? Did she get? She, a, she walked out there. Really? No, no she definitely got. She, <laughs> yeah. defi-
1: she was on a private jet. She never got a private jet. <laughs> she was on a private jet.
0: <laughs> she probably got the train. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but no, I think is an interesting one we are moving in a direction where it's become it's everyone's every brand is you know claiming that they're sustainable and offsetting etc cetera, etc cetera. um how true that is to some degree you never really know H&M make up a lot of their stuff and they're not sustainable at all
0: I think that you have to be quite discerning and putting in a lot of time to, to find out what the sustainability creds that are being put out there really mean and to see, rather than just see like sustainable, read read all of the information and, just, and decide for yourself if you think that that is enough. I mean, and do they, the comparison between different businesses as well. But
1: they're marketeers at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? There's great at using facts and figures to say what they want to say, but whether those facts and figures are completely true. Do you know what I mean? It's like converting it into a percentage to make it sound a bit more like, oh, that's great, it's a higher percent. Um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm just, I, I don't really, um, a lot of these but that's conversation for an day
0: <laughs> so that was
1: episode 5
0: of the Adbrace Can Lion <laughs> um,
1: thank you for listening
0: I've been de Douglas
1: and I'm Lewis Donegan Brown
0: that was the Adbrace episode 5